podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Good evening, yeah, Andy is on tonight, much to the delight. Zero seconds. Plenty of viewers uh, we are live. It is the LFC day trippers. It is the forum. We are coming from the COVID hotspot of the world, uh, Dublin City. Uh, well, three of us are anyway. Um, and then we've got also Chris, who's a, a late stand-in for Pete, who couldn't make it tonight. So I've got on tonight Andy Young. How are you doing, Andy? Oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Phil Casey, how are you doing, Phil? Wonderful, Ray. Absolutely splendid. Yeah, good stuff. And we've got our late sub in. It's Chris Brack. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, excellent. <laughs> thanks. Excellent. Looking like uh, William of uh, Baskerville there tonight, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's a hint of monk of Chris Brack there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I better go by that long now. <laughs> yeah, Chris was... It's a trip uh, there uh, about four weeks so I totally forgot about it. Andy, come on, Zane was still speaking to him, and then I just looked at him and says, Oh, he has the, the look of the name of Rose about him there tonight. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> William, William of Baskerville, shouting yeah. out there from uh, from more than okay. yeah. <laughs> do, do, do you remember that film, Andy? Not, remember, not, not, not a lot. Remember one of them was knocking it off to your woman who was living <laughs> in the oak? It's <laughs> <laughs> the one scene. I remember I must have been young at that stage. I remember sitting there, my dad had it on. And you know, it was the first moment I think in my whole life that I felt really yeah. awkward when something like that comes on. Your parents are sitting there. It must have been about like 13 or something. And your man is there. Look, we won't, we won't, we won't go far too that we won't go too far down that path uh we we, no, we, we haven't got Milo on this week um lost as a sponsor last week but anyway we'll try and crack on without losing anymore um right so um we've got four subjects before we get into the four subjects um the four topics tonight for the forum just wants the hot take off andy andy's our man for hot takes fa cup draw tonight uh we draw united uh phil's storming off in disgust but all I'm going to ask you, Andy, are you are you excited now? Back to back games against United, we can actually sh- we can actually make a show of them two weeks in a row. 
Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool that we can be uh, we can beat them with the first team and the under twenty threes. We can beat them with Allison and Goal and uh, Queen. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I know there's a lot of people melting down on Twitter, um, just judging by the sort of tougher opposition we've been getting in the FA Cup in the last number of years. But fuck it, games like this make the FA Cup board watching. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I didn't even know we were still in the competition. Thank fuck I won't care about this game or, or like ever any FA Cup game ever. If we get to the final, we win it. I won't even know because I won't be at it. I won't be seeing it. I won't be watching it. I won't be tuning into it. It's a, an absolute cat's abortion of a competition. I hope they never show a game again on the television. Load of bollocks. End it. Well, what, 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 what's interesting, last, this time last week, we were getting a lot of banter <coughs> coming in from, from a few United fans who decided to tune in. So it'll be interesting whether they actually uh, we we see any of it tonight, or whether they've gone a little bit quiet after uh, after the defeat against City, and uh, whether they're a bit quaking in the boots at this point. Uh, are you looking forward to the back to back games, Chris? Not really. No, uh, no, I hate the games against United. Absolutely, really. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't sort of look forward to them without looking at no. the outside. No, one of those games, the, the great if you win, but otherwise they're horrendous. Mm. very true very true well look we'll uh we'll move on to your subject first um chris you're you're standing in for pete he, he was uh gonna talk about um liverpool now uh maybe being perceived um either by our fan base or by uh i guess everyone in general as being the underdogs now there's certainly the underdogs as far as the two-horse race with the bookies is concerned between City and Liverpool. Um, we kind of used that to our advantage the first half of last season. Uh, you any thoughts now on how we how we potentially handle that kind of, that mantle going forward? Uh, are we kind of, we, we are kind of, I guess, up against it in some respects now, yeah? I think so, yeah. I mean, Klopp tends to use... Uh, being an underdog to his advantage, he he likes that from his, his Dortmund days and his early Liverpool days. He liked being the underdog, as he say, bring people down to his level. Um, I think the perception that we're underdogs, especially online, you, you can see it, and I think that's more driven by probably the last month of results. And you know, I will probably say a lot of the injuries we've had recently are starting to catch others a little bit. You know, playing too many players out of position, probably too many of our bigger name players a little bit out of form. And I think everyone still has, despite the fact that was winning it last year, still has the fear of, you know, a few things go wrong and everyone has the fear it's going to fall apart. I mean, I've probably had a, a few wobbles, you know, in recent weeks, but you do keep thinking, you have got players to come back, you have got players who are out of form, it doesn't mean they're not going to go back into form. And so that's for Liverpool. I do think these bigger games, while they're a bit, they can be a bit nerve-wracking, it tends to bring the best out of Liverpool. Uh, mm. The bigger games, actually, to me, are less of a worry. I'd actually yeah. be more worried about Burnley and West Ham than I would be about, say, playing Tottenham away. Mm. So but yeah. it, it does seem that perception, because I have seen quite a few shouts recently of, well, as long as we'll be looking to get top four, which seems a bit mad when you're only, worst-case scenario, going to be three points off top by the weekend. Well, you know, we, we might we might, <laughs> we might be talking about that in a month's time, Chris. You never know. It's you never know. It's a strange old season, isn't it? I mean, what, what have you? What's been your thoughts on on City over the last sort of week and a half, two weeks? I mean, they they do look like they're starting to click up a gear or two, don't they? They do, yeah. I mean, the the fixtures have helped them. I mean, if they win the next game, it'll be the first. I think it's the only the second time in eighteen months they've won three games in a row. Mm. So, I mean, not many teams have won three games in a row this year. So, 
the other thing that I think the worry people have around City is their fixture lists are quite comfortable, I would say, for the next six games. And yeah, they are yeah. fairly good. One thing City are good at, they are generally good at putting the, the worst sides to the sword. Their issue actually this year has been um, the bigger games against the likes of Tottenham, United, us. They haven't taken many points off. United have a similar problem. We've kind of had the reverse. We've been quite good in the big games and pretty poor in the what you call the lesser games. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually kind of a return to how we used to undermine a lot of our sort of title challenges in, in, in years gone by. We we kind of we, we what we've seen that runner results though the runner three results uh, which have put us on the back foot a little bit are kind of were reminiscent really of stuff that we had to put ourselves through. Phil seen many a West Brom uh, game back in the day when he used to visit Anfield and uh, would come away would come away without a win. Uh, he's having flashbacks. Um, Andy, I remember punch, punching the wall in the St. Henry stand, the upper St. Henry, um, at one particular West Brom visit when Roy Hodgson was the manager, and some was Oden Wingy or one of them. Well, I don't, one of those players that he always signs um, went in and scored, and they beat us. When Kenny was in charge, because we did, I know there was the thing about Kenny had been there for ten years there recently. That was great. That brought back lots of bad memories. But like the the, I just remember smashing my hand against the wall, and my dad saying, "Would you just calm down?" I couldn't take it anymore. Like that was the moment where I was just like, "I can't take this anymore." Um, so so yeah, I remember plenty of, of draws with West Brom and losses to West Brom and stuff. But like, I, I don't want to remember them, Ray. But don't be bringing events like that up again. Like that's <laughs> just not fair. It's just not on. It's like, okay. it's... Dropping points to Newcastle, uh, dodgy losses at at, at, at St Mary's. Uh, that the, you don't really have to go uh, too far back in our history to, uh, to 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 come across those types of events. Um, Andy. Um, the next few weeks, um, don't have the fixture list in front of me, but I know we've got not just the fact that we've got um, United coming up twice, but we've got um, we've definitely got Tottenham coming up soon. Uh, we'll obviously have to play City before too long. Uh, then we get back into Champions League action with Leipzig. Um, we've 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 gone through the last three games against lesser opposition. I think there's a bit of what Chris was saying there that rings true with with Liverpool. Do you think? We, we this whole underdog thing that coupled with the fact that we're going to be playing in some really big meaningful games over the next few weeks um do you think that will be that will give us the impetus to maybe go again yeah um i think i think complacency sets in on those lesser type games um we've seen such a mixed uh, <clears throat> liverpool this season I felt in the last three games, anyway, those injuries have caught up. But there were games that we should have really won. And unfortunately, we've drawn two and lost one. Um, so uh, I think I think th- this is the chance now going into the United game um, to just reestablish ourselves and drop that complacency. I think it's a massive thing now with, Fabian, or, uh, with Thiago in the team and getting going. He was so impressive. I know it was only against Villa kids, but... But uh, boy, God, was uh, was he a class act when he came on? He's exactly what we need at the moment. It's like we needed Jota when he came into the team. So um, I think play- those players just need someone around them just to show that bit of leadership that, you know, a lot of players stood up last season and the season before. I know we probably talk about it later with the mo- motivation topic, but um, it's I think we needed a big game and there's no bigger game than this that's exactly what we need. Just just something to switch the players back on. They were left on the bus in the last three three league games. So um no. 
this is what we need. Run a go, run a big games, reestablish yourself, build back up confidence, and uh, and drop that shit that we've been kind of having to put up with in the last few games. Phil, um, have you have you got any explanation in your minds as to why our levels dropped so much over the last four games, including that cup game? Yeah, fire away. Um, <laughs> mainly because the we we've disrupted our team way too much. Uh, mainly because we've made a bad decision around not signing a centre-back either in the summer or now and having one lined up to go in January. And I, I hear the bit about like we plan out for windows and all this type of stuff, but primarily when we're having to use our best defensive midfielder in as a centre-back and then we're, put, we're playing numerous different partnerships at centre-back with him, the inevitability is that you are disrupting that team, the spine of the team, on a week-to-week basis, and you can, you're never going to build up a rhythm of play. And what's disappointed me an awful lot is that because we've had to play the likes of Henderson and Phillips and what's the other man's name? Williams. Williams. Um, in in beside Fabinho, because we don't have a competent um, centre-back that we can put in there, has meant that we've stifled the progression of the full-backs in an attacking sense, right? Um, and then that's led to... Thiago looks great when, he get, when he's got in and played, but in reality, that's led to an onus on the midfield. And when Yaldum looks tired, um, yeah. I think, you know, people I've, I've seen today, people can't wait till Kayser comes back. They'll be waiting. Um <laughs> And it's like, ultimately, it's it's like Jones had a nice little run over the Christmas time, but he's only a kid. Um, so I'm hoping to see Shakiri. I, I think Shakiri and Thiago can provide an onus to driving the team onwards from where they are, where they've been stifled create, creatively at the moment. I never want to see Oxley Chamberlain on the pitch again. He's shit. And it's like, <laughs> I, it's, I, think, I think it's time now to realise that if... If we aren't going to have Fabinho in the centre midfield, we've got a we've got a creation problem because our t- our team gets too stretched. Right, I, the whole thing gets too stretched. With Massip alongside him, Massip drags drags him up because he's a natural centre back, and that's not to say that um, Fabinho is an issue here. I just think in terms of leading a defensive line, it, there's a difference between a natural centre back who can bring it bring a defensive line up and a guy who's doing a really good job playing in there as a, as an auxiliary centre back. So uh, for me I think that's what's driving the problem. There's been too many changes Ray in our back four. It's led to us conceding goals that we wouldn't have conceded before and we've coughed up points that we wouldn't have coughed up before and it's stifled our creativity. So it, it all stems from where we are but it looks like they're not going to buy a centre back and I don't see I I I'm very disappointed because they should have seen the impact and not having an adequate centre-back cover at Man City led on to their performance across last season. And I think they're gambling a wee bit that we can um, soldier through this and hopefully get somebody back on a regular basis um, until the end of the season. But it's, it's, it's a massive, massive gamble. And it's almost like they're prepared to see what they can do, but it's not really the onus is to, is to retain the league title at the moment. Which sadly, which I just feel is just a, is, is, is something that in a way, I know we're going to get on to motivation and stuff like that. I just just think it, it, it's all feeding into one big pot at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is um, we seem to be dependent on matter being fit for a stretch of games. That stretch of games may only be three or four games, but we if we're not signing a centre-back, 
in January, <clears throat> aside for the reasons behind that, it does also mean that we're placing a certain amount of faith in in him for um, a certain amount of games between now and the end of the season. And for the games where he's unavailable, we'll plug in uh, Phillips or Williams or Hendo or whatever. We will kind of, we'll muddle our way through it and we're not willing to invest or jeopardise whatever the, the, the bigger picture is for the summer um, by, by going out and spending, which which does seem a shame and it to me if it's a center back that we don't you know we don't sign a center back i think we absolutely then position ourselves as underdogs we we all we all you know we're mm. kind of in some ways we're doing it to ourselves we we'll be we're becoming underdogs because we haven't given ourselves the ammunition uh the squad depth to be able to genuinely be um the number one team to go and uh, and go and go and retain this title. So, what I want to what I want to put the centre back to one side, Andy, and I want to bring this on, I guess, into your topic around uh, the Salah narrative. Yeah, um, it's been evident over the last few games that there's still there's not we can go on all day and all night about the centre back um, conundrum. But there's something not quite right, is there, about the front three uh, higher up the pitch. We're just not creating, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to argue if someone comes at you and says, yeah, you've been dominant over, uh, let's just take three league games. You've been dominant, but have you really been working goalkeepers? You know, have you really been working Fraser Foster, for example, uh, who came in at the 11th hour? Um we haven't been working the goal. Yeah, okay. The Newcastle goalkeeper may makes Darlow makes a, 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 quite a number of saves. I don't think we we work the West Brom goalkeeper awfully uh, much. Um, and Salah's obviously a, a big part of that front three. What's your feeling? We obviously wanted to talk about this tonight. Do you think <clears throat> this some of these external factors are starting to get into Salah's head at this point, or do you think? People are just making more of more of it. They're seeing a bit of smoke and they're creating a fire. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Yeah, I think it's uh, about um, creating a, a fire from a bit of smoke. So, look, I think Liverpool is a unit. Things just aren't right at the moment where they're... It's just um, the hangover from last season. They kind of uh, with COVID, a lot of players not performing. Like you know, Trent is coming under a lot of criticism that he he's not as creative as he was. But just I think as a unit, like we're missing out on um, having our strongest midfield, which has been for the last couple of years, Henderson, Ronaldo, and um, Fabinho in there, like. We've we've given up a lot by Fabinho centre back. As good as he's been centre back, we've given up an awful lot. And then we go and play Henderson centre back. So you have a really unfamiliar uh, centre midfield. Although they're good players, they're just not the midfield that enabled the fullbacks to get forward and create. So our creative outlet has just been completely hampered for a lot of games this season. Just not having that midfield unit that that create that uh, enables them so much. So that in turn is going to affect the um the. Um, the service to our front three, none of them look like they're on it at all. For be, uh, or let's face it, uh, Firmino's been off form for a long time, and Mane just is not himself, and and Salah's not himself. And over the last couple of seasons, when one has been playing well, 
the other one might have fallen off a little bit. They always kind of pick each other up and dovetail quite well. But Salah, for whatever reason, this is what I mean about the Salah narrative, for whatever reason, the tolerance for Salah is less. Like, the fella has been a genius for Liverpool. He's like, it's hard to deny he's probably been one of our greatest players ever with the output. The, uh, he's been involved in so many goals, whether he's setting them up, uh, whether he's winning the ball back or whether he's um, scoring them himself. And he he literally had a comment that was, that was he was asked a direct question about were you disappointed to not um, be captain? And, you know, there's a language barrier there and, and there's just how, how it was picked up. I don't see anything wrong with his response, really. But since then, fans seem to be, now maybe it's a Twitter thing or, or maybe it's in real life. I don't know. But on Twitter, there seems to be a, toler- a lack of tolerance for what he said. And then there's an article that goes out in some uh, some media outlet in Amer- in um, in Spain, like the Bernabeu fucking uh, star. Like it's <laughs> it shouldn't really be seen as a as a legitimate talk, but apparently he's been um, tarting himself out to go into Madrid, and Madrid are they they want to stick with Hazard and and everything else. So why are fans are choosing to believe? A little bit, like a small time media, um, small time website or whatever fan site in Spain, over having faith in a player that's given a hundred percent. He's put his balls on the line for seasons, and he's he's been a huge part, one of the biggest parts of our success. And why people are are not not so tolerant for him, I don't. I just can't really get my head around it. Maybe it's a Twitter thing. Maybe it's. I don't know. I'll ask yourselves. You know, when you're a group of real life mates, people you people you spend your um. I know we're we're not dealing with socialising, but in your circle, your WhatsApp groups, are people the same about Salah, or is it, am I just imagining it from Twitter? Chris, um, I think as we call it the real world, uh, yeah, with my mates, I I do see it sometimes. They go like, he's too ball greedy. You know, he, he could lay this person, he could play that, that person in. Or a bit like, there's probably going. But he's an attacker, he's a striker. And in similar positions, Suarez and Torres never would pass the ball there. I mean, you know, they take the they take the shot on. You know, I think with the greediness thing he's accused of, you've got to take that with an attacking player. They, they are just like that. I think the thing was I think unfortunately, it's a bit of a perfect storm for certain people in the sense that that interview comes out, which has obviously upset a few people. I mean, I, I still think it's a bit of a much ado about nothing. And unfortunately, he's been off form since then. The, the the thing where I get a bit frustrated is Sadio Mane before the Villa game had one goal in ten. I love Mane. I think he's a great player, but he's been in worse form than Salah. And all we get is yeah, but he works hard. All three of them work hard. You know, I would argue Sadio Mane is actually running down dead running down blind alleys all the time. And actually, although he's working hard, he's running himself into into positions that aren't helping the team. You know, so I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I've just seen that note from Stephen. You can argue that if you want to, but if that's the case, why isn't Sadio Mane getting the same sort of uh, abuse? Because they're both they're both Muslim, they're both they're both African, you know. So, you know, for some people maybe that isn't that is an element of it, but I just think he's is it also because he had such a, such a brilliant first season. Some people can't get away from that first season and judge him by that. But at the end of the day, he's whether he's in form or not, he's been our top goal scorer now for the last uh, ever since ever since he's been here. So. You know, I don't get it to be honest. 
I think if he's your best, he's one of your best players, one of your most influential players. Just enjoy him because trust me, when Salah goes, whether that's this summer, two, three summers time, there'll be loads of people going, "Fuck me, Salah would have scored that," or "Salah would have done something there." And you'll you'll soon realise when he's gone, the shit it's fine. Because be honest, our record when he doesn't play isn't fantastic. You mm. see it, all, you see it all the time. We do, the team doesn't function quite as well when he's not playing or when Manny's not playing. There's a reason for that. It's because they're our two most influential <clears> players. <throat> Lads, the most, the, I'm just going to tell you here, the interview comes off the back of them opening contract extensions, mm. uh, negotiations with Liverpool, right? If I'm Mohamed Salah and I want to get a bigger contract, I'm already the biggest, pay, most uh, highest paid player at the club. Of course, I'm going to drop what I'd love to play for Barcelona or Real Madrid. If I had to go and play in Spain, right? Like, And I wasn't happy. I wanted to be leader of the team. Two things there. One, he's saying that he sees himself as a leader of the team and he he would have liked to be recognised as one. And two, if I want to get as much money out of it, I'm going to, obviously, I'm going to, what teams are going to sign him? There's only three teams potentially going to sign him. Two can't afford to sign him next summer because they've no money, which is Real Madrid and Barcelona. So it really only leaves Paris Saint-Germain. And I don't see Salah going to Paris Saint-Germain because it's no it's no test, right? Why would he go there? So then mm. you're maybe, maybe you're looking then at Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich aren't going to spend 160, 170, 180 million, whatever it is that, that that's going to take to, to, to sell them if we're going to sell them. Juventus only sign fellas who are 37 and on free transfers, leave them from wherever it is. They're not going to sign them either, right? So my problem with, with the with the Salah thing is, and it, it baffles me how so many Liverpool fans are just sort of hemming and hawing about, uh, you know, he, he, he should be doing this and he should be doing, fuck off. He's got 400 million goals for us since he signed, right? He's only played 27 games. He has more goals and assists than any other Liverpool player has ever done in his whole life, right? In ever in the whole history of the club. He's won a Champions League. He's won a league title and he's also been runners-up in another Champions League and come runners-up in the league. Nobody has delivered that as a centre-forward for Liverpool since Kenny Dalglish in 85-86, right? Like we're ta- This is what we're talking about. These are the levels we're talking about, Right. So to keep going on with this, it's absolute bollocks. Like I, if somebody said to me, and I saw you, you, you dropped it up there, Andy, it's, it, there's a bit of racism or Islamophobia in there. It wouldn't actually surprise me because it's easy to criticise the foreign lad because if his name was was Morris Kane, right, or Morris Stephen, they'd be they're saying this is the greatest player. Liverpool have to do everything to keep him, extend his contract for four hundred years, give him ninety million hundred euro a week. It doesn't make a difference. We're talking about a bloke that has played his socks off for this club rarely ever injured I think the only injury I can remember him picking up was that one in the Champions League final the one that we finished runners up in ever since then he's mm. continually playing his, his arse off for us he's always fit he's always ready to go and if he has a downturn of form why does that surprise you 700 games in a row like why Why does that surprise you it's just it's eventually fellas are going to have dips in forms the difference between a dip in form that Salah has and I'll I, I just have to look at the fixtures there I see he scored at the weekend which is which is great to see and I see Mane got two as well which is also great to see because <laughs> that's what they need from, from, from those friendly matches um, is to, to score strikers need to score goals that's how they get form that's how they get the stuff back and all of a sudden he's going to start doing it but I come back to the basic thing around this right when we have a fully functioning midfield that's able to push up and, and move with the front three and we have our two fullbacks overlapping a pace that's when Salah's at his most dangerous because it's not at this moment in time because those lads are so far deep and so far off them they have three or four defenders continue to be able to double team on whoever has the ball and that's where it breaks down and he's still doing mad amazing stuff out, off the back of it people just need to really cop on when it comes to Salah and just and, and just enjoy him for every minute he plays for Liverpool Football Club he is by far the greatest 
footballer that we've had at this football club without thing. I, I, I honestly, I don't get the slavish devotion to Firmino in comparison to what it's like for Salah. Like how how there can be Firmino fan clubs out there when the fella is literally falling off a cliff when it comes to form is just beyond me. But yet we'll, we'll rubbish Salah who scores 20 plus goals every single season for us without fail. Can I just jump in on the uh, racism, Islamophobe narrative? I think that that exists in the British media. Um, they they see Salah as a cheat because, and they don't tolerate players who who go down when they're supposed to go down, um, unless unless they're English. And I think Talksport and Sky and all those shithead uh, clickbait type of, um, they they like to create a story outside of the actual game. They're driving this reaction on Twitter. And I think Tony Kelly is dead right. Um, he is adored by the fans. I think within the circle of, to, to want of a better word, real fans, real supporters, he is adored by the Liverpool fans. I mean, there's, you know, the songs, the fucking, um, the support he gets, the, the moments he's given us. I honestly think it's the, the Twitter fan um, are they, you know, the, the those fans kind of looking from the outside or opposition fans who are buying into these narratives that are being created by the media? I think that's where the um, the Islamophobe or uh, racism stuff starts and ends. I don't think I don't think that's amongst the Liverpool fans. I think I'll give you another t- slightly different take on this though, um, and it's just from a fan's perspective. Um, and you can anyone can jump in and let me know if they kind of relate to this. But we've we've this history of uh, our top players eventually in recent times, our top players eventually moving on. Um, we've all got burnt to various degrees, uh, particularly by the likes of um, Suarez and Torres. Um, and I think some of us, and I'll include myself to a, to, a, to a point in this, have not let ourselves get 100% invested in a player that has transformed himself into a world megastar on the basis that uh, eventually someone's going to come knocking at the door and he's going to break all our hearts. And I think there's a certain element of fear that because he has become the player that he's become, that there's a certain amount of inevitability about him leaving, potentially still whilst he's at the peak of his powers. I mean, would you can can you relate to that at all, Andy? Yeah, uh, look, I I kind of fell out of love with the whole idea that um that uh, players were somehow loyal to us or somehow one of us when when Torres left um and you know before that as well when when Fowler sadly left. Like we have to just accept that that it is their job, it is their profession. Uh, while while they're while they're there, I'm all they're wearing a short. You want to see them giving a hundred percent, but all good things come to an end. Salah's going to leave eventually. Um, Mane's going to leave eventually. Virgil's going to leave. Allison, all these players who we who we um, we talk about as ours and we, we embrace them like they are one of us. They all leave eventually. And for whatever reason, whether it's family, personal reasons, a new challenge, we have to accept that they eventually do leave. Sometimes players leave for a bigger challenge. At the moment, there is no bigger challenge th- than Liverpool. We're, we're competing in the Champions League. We're, we're, we're favourites to win the Premier League. Um, so the circumstances are a lot different. If if Salah does want to leave or Wijnaldum now who who's, looks like he's going to leave, we have to just accept that. 
we're going to be ready to replace these players with e- equally as good players, or we're going to bring in a player that's that Klopp's going to transform into the next seller or the next money. He's done that over and over again. I mean, who would have expected Robertson to turn out to be the best left full in the whole fucking wide world when he signed? I did. I did. I said it. You, you, are, you are a football man, Phil. So oh, I, I just think... I just I think um, American football. I just think the... Uh, <laughs> look, I, I'm, I'll keep going back to the, the fake world there is Twitter. It's it, it look like it's not real. It, these people are not real. Uh, what they're it's it's all hot takes and it's all just reactionary stuff. But there is there is this thing where we we do have to stop imagining that they're uh, that just because they want a new challenge or just because they they make a little comment that maybe hints that they want away that they're uh, being uh, disloyal or they're being traitors. It's not the case. Look. Come Sunday, or come the, come the weekend, we could be jumping around all over the place uh, when Salah scores a couple of goals against the Manx and wins it for us. Mm. Um, and that's how fake a football is. One week they're talking about the, the bastard who wants who wants out of here and and fuck him and all. We may uh, take the money and run. We we get we get him. We get them. Just uh, yeah. Just embrace it. And, and as, as Chris says, enjoy Salah while he's here. Enjoy them all while they're here. Enjoy Klopp while he's here. They're, they're, we're Andy, can I just say, Rajiv Kumar there and Chris are having a row over what's a legend and what isn't a legend, right? So I just want to jump in because it's annoying me, right? Because Rajiv <laughs> just says, you have to be 10 years to be a legend. Lucas no. Leiva was at the club for 10 years and he was shit for 10 years, right? He's not a legend. He's never right. going to be a legend. In 20 right. years time, the only thing to remember is that, remember that fella that ran in porridge in midfield for years? Like that's, that's what you remember. Igor Biscan, he was at the club for about 10 years. He's legend. not a legend. He's a cult hero. They're cult heroes. Whereas Matt Salah is a legend. Salah came into the club with a wrecked reputation in England and people looking at what are Liverpool doing so in this guy for 31 million or whatever it was that we spent from. And not only did he blow the league by sky high, he takes Liverpool to literally the top of where we could be and put us as a destination club. The question we're having in here is now where could he go to? We are a destination. This is not, mm. this is not like it was before. The only clubs, as I go back to the only three clubs that could potentially look to sign him are Paris Saint-Germain, City and potentially Real Madrid because they get government funding every year because they'll just say they're using it for COVID injections or something like that. So and then they'll get five hundred million to keep them going. But like th- this is this is what we're talking about. But after that, right? All this all this bollocksology is that this fella is literally a footballing Liverpool icon and legend. Because when we look back in ten to fifteen years, we're going to remember this as the Salah years. That's what we're going to remember. We're going to think of the goal he scored against Chelsea, the rocket that comes off his foot that goes into the top corner. We're going to think of the night against Roma at home in Anfield in the first year that we go to the Champions League final and he cuts inside and he pins one into the top corner against Alisson, who we regard as the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment. You're going to think of that goal last year on our way to the league title. The, the trademark goal, the goal that's that for me was, right, that's it, we're going to be league champions. Alisson gets the ball against United that we have coming up, picks it out at the end of the game, plays that pass through them, he gets onto it and it it is the quintessential Salah goal. It's almost a replica of his first goal he scores when we go against Arsenal. Ping right the way through, and in he goes, and away we go. And that that at that moment we knew we had the league total solo. The guy is a legend, and he always will be a legend. And if he wants to leave, so be it, because he's delivered what he has delivered what we want him to be, and we've delivered what we craved as fans over and over again. He is a legend, and I. I agree. I'm, 
he's delivered. 100%. He's delivered a hell of a lot more than what anyone, if, 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 if anyone would have told you in the days after uh, Salah signed for Liverpool, what he would have achieved at this point, they would have absolutely laughed in your face. Liverpool fans, opposition fans, fans of every nature would have laughed in your face if you would have told them in the days after he'd signed for Liverpool what he was about to embark on. Um, from a goals record point of view, goals versus appearances, in terms of the the honours that he's won, in terms of his stature as essentially one of the big three or four names on in world football and all that goes with that you know he's he's the face of brands like pepsi and so on and so forth which you know look he's in the upper echelons of 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 world football right now um so anyone who tries to argue uh that that you know all of a sudden he's 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 turned to shit because okay he might he might he might be in a little bit greedy chose the wrong, wrong option over the last two or three weeks really is absolutely living in the moment rather than living in the bigger in the bigger world that we've been seeing over the last uh, few years Um, turn off your laptop we're on staycation i'm on totalwine.com they have so many rosés chardonnays and proseccos it feels like a real vacation wondrous selection helpful guides ridiculously low prices total wine and more He's going, to, he's going to have played about 200 games to Liverpool by the time he leaves. <laughs> some people need to look back and see uh, some of the other legends who, who played less games than that. Mm, Might yeah. surprise you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go back to Andy's point about, you know, enjoying why he's here and, you know, people getting burned. I think this has led to the whole conversation now of, well, who's better, Salah or Manny? This is the, the other debate now is, who do you want, Salah or Manny? You know, who's the better player? I don't know why you can't just say you like both. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the because everyone's so burnt now. Everyone's like, we could probably keep one, but which one are we going to keep? And, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes the fan base, you've got to change that mindset a little bit. Of listen, if, if it was left to me, God, thank God it's not. Um, I'd be quite happy for Salah and Manny just to stay and become like our Robin and Ribery and look to upgrade the guy in the middle. Mm-hmm. That would be if, if he asked me, that's what I would do. I'd be looking for a Firmino upgrade and I'd keep Salah and, Salah and Manny. Then you've still got Jotter in there as a in there as well to help keep them on the toes. I mean, that's probably the other thing we're missing is Jota, I think, actually kept all the front three on the toes a little bit and actually probably brought them up a level again, which is probably what they needed, which is something that, sadly, Divock isn't doing. And so, um, at the moment, Minamino isn't doing that enough for them. Uh, so, I mean, all the debate about which one's going to go, if you left it to me, I'd get rid of the guy in the middle and see <laughs> if I could upgrade upgrade on him. You know, and it's not to disparage him, but for me, if you had to pick them, I would say Salah and Manny are far more crucial to us. Course, uh, 100%. I think that Firmino's time is up in terms of being a guaranteed force choice. And if we're going to look, uh, uh, you see people mention Haaland, you see people mention Mbappe. Mbappe and one left for left field for me is Pablo Dybala. Both of them for me, I, I could see them fitting in because they aren't ring-fenced centre-forwards. Haaland is an absolute monster as a, of a goal scorer, right? But he's your classic thunderfuck of a number nine like he basically just runs around smashing defenders up and being in there he's he's more of a a superstar harry kane than a up like this this multifunctional brilliant footballer like um like killian mbappe like when i think of him he's more what's your man's name at into uh benzema he's more Haaland is more under benzema mold than say mbappe who can do a bit of everything and he can play across the front tree he can play wide he can play through the center and that to me is how you upgrade a firmino 
position. But if you go look at Dybala for me, is that if you want to go for a pure improvement of the Firmino type where he's not really a natural goal scorer but he's more a creative midfielder playing as your folk uh, as your as your focal point and your striker and um, then that the ball will be the fellow I'd go in. He's twenty five or twenty six. Okay. He's a nice Give age. And he's had COVID three times. So. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is though when we talk about this like squad rebuild, everyone assumes Klopp's gonna go stick with four three three. Hmm. Not necessarily. I mean, when he was at Dortmund, it was a it was a four two three wire and play it off Lewandowski with a lot of pace yeah. behind him. And that's because of the players he had. We we've played four three three because we had Manny, Salah, and Firmino. So you play to what you have and play to their strengths. But if he's going to upgrade or wants to do a version two team, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play the same system. You may hmm. find clockwork or a couple of players will go. Well, that doesn't work in a four three three, and you may find we just move away from it. Yeah, and that's, that's, yeah. How you, that's how you evolve. It takes less pressure off the fullback. Then that could be a, a way we go. The that's idea, cool. the idea, Haaland coming to Liverpool excites me more than Mbappe. I, I just don't want this superstar celebrity type mm. of football. I mean, it, it's very telling that we spent this Paris Saint Germain for so many years. Mm. Um, I think uh, Haaland, the the career tra- trajectory he's on, Liverpool would be perfect. I think he could come to Liverpool and spend spend years and, and uh, become a legend under everybody's definition. I know people have their different understandings of what a legend is um, and that and that's fair enough. But uh, Haaland for me, yeah, it's work great. Everything, it'd be fucking brilliant. What will, what it'll help, something like that will help counter. I'm sure Klopp's been, you know, listening to all the fans. He's been on Twitter. You know, he probably knows that the, the narratives out there that we've been found out so um, something like Haaland coming in and mixing it up and maybe changing a system, Chris. You know, mm. maybe 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 he is listening. <laughs> maybe he is listening to some of the bad guys. Would be a nice. Problem. Would be a nice problem to have, wouldn't it? Oh, who do we pick, Mbappe or Haaland? Would be a nice problem saying that's that's our debate for the summer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I'd, I'm sure Grizz would uh, would revel in those types of scenarios um, as as the summer progressed. Um, I wanted to move it on to, and it kind of, uh, we, we've touched on a few things that have kind of fed into player motivation. And the reason why I wanted to kind of touch on that tonight was because um, I guess, I guess the concern that I, that I have amongst all the hysteria really. Um, and, I, and I think we've seen a bit of it, um, you know, Klopp assembles a very strong team against uh, the Aston Villa kids Um uh, and, and it seemed like maybe the motivation wasn't there to go out and put them to the sword like we like we maybe should have, certainly in that first half. But I, I've got a bit of a concern, and, and you can kind of forgive the players in some respects because, look, they're playing in the midst of a pandemic. They're playing in the midst of uh, a new surge in, in COVID cases and not just uh, in, I guess, in, 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 in you know, outside of their bubble but 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 it's it's actually getting into the players bubbles now and and we're seeing um you know we're seeing uh, outbreaks in various camps and it just does concern me really i guess over the next few weeks uh, and it'll feed into Phil's topic to finish things off really it it does start it does start to concern me that if we get to a position over the next, say, these next six games where City have got a fairly easy, handy run of games, and they may drop uh, some points here and there. But if we do find ourselves with a, you know, with a patched up 
team week in, week out. No, no, no new centre back being signed, picking up more injuries potentially, and and then all of a sudden finding ourselves maybe eight, eight, ten points behind Manchester City. Like, where, where, where necessarily is the motivation for these players to to go again? We've we've seen we've seen how difficult it is for. Um, for, for teams to defend uh, the Premier League title. And, and, and I think player motivation, and, and I say you can forgive why, why some players wouldn't be motivated as others. Um, it's, a, it's definitely a concern of mine. Um, Chris, would, would you be concerned that the kind of the spirit may be broken over the next few weeks because of a culmination of factors? Uh, hopefully not. Uh, I mean, the only time I've had a slight concern was probably the Southampton game. It did feel a little bit like we were feeling sorry for ourselves. Mm. You know, soft, soft early goal, and it, was, it felt a bit like um, a bit like the Kenny games. You know, we used to like hit the, hit the post every every two minutes. We just go, oh, it's just one of those games today. Yeah, and we we've got away from that for quite a while. Of, well, it's not going to be one of those games. We'll find a way around it. Now that could be a combination of injuries. You know, as Phil's mentioned, you know, swapping the team around too much because we've had to. Uh, but Savant was probably the first time I've looked at and thought, we feel a bit sorry for ourselves. The Villa game was weird. I don't know if the Villa game was lack of motivation or we were trying to play at half pace just to try and you know, kind of get through the game. And I still don't think we've quite got to that point where we can just play at half speed and get a game done. It's probably, in fairness to City, that's something City are very good at, is they can win games at half speed. Um, so, yeah, I think, that, I know what you're saying about January. I think this is the month that either makes or breaks the season a little bit, I think. Yeah, mm. big time. Um, and the, uh, I mean, I, I just, you know, that Southampton game, we seen some shouts in the WhatsApp group of people saying they were going to turn it off 15, 20 minutes to go. Uh, there was a kind of a sense that that just wasn't coming. The goal wasn't coming. We could have played for another 90 minutes. Um, it did feel like a bit of deja vu with, with days gone by. Um, have you got, any concerns around the players staying motivated to 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 to, to defend this title? Yeah, I absolutely do, and it, it's it's hard to put your finger on it this season because uh, we are in the middle of a pandemic and we have got so many injuries. And I think Liverpool do rely very heavily on having the fans there. It plays mm. a huge part of their motivation, and it's it's a huge part of how Klopp motivates them as well. Is yeah. um. It, a relationship with the fans so it's quite hard to put your finger on it where, where the players heads are at in terms of their motivation to achieve things and uh, we have to remember that the way Klopp um, trains his players is quite hard they they puke in pre-season and uh, they and they they haven't had a proper se- pre-season this season either and what I suppose the human body the human brain can only take so much of that and mm. then when they do when they do reach the pinnacle goal, and that was winning the league, you know, we won the Champions League along the way, but winning the league at the end was the ultimate goal. And then to add on top of that, to, to do a third season of a 90 plus, you know, Phil made this point, I remember, at the very beginning of the season. Um, it was very difficult for City to even achieve that. And as Chris says, they they are they are a better team than, than us at doing things at half pace. Like we are all action, we are all effort, we are all pressing and energy, and we seem to be able to outrun and, and um, out, uh, out effort everybody else. 
and, and that's because of Klopp's motivation and methods. But the mm. downfall is when you do achieve your targets, mm. it's probably time to freshen up the squad and get rid of players who don't quite have that anymore and bring in players who are hungrier that you can you can um instill into them. So it's quite difficult. It's it's um it's one of Klopp's strengths and it's one of Klopp's weaknesses, I suppose. But look, I'm not going to get carried away with it. It's just a it's just a thought I had at the start of the season. Could players maintain that sort of level of motivation and effort that they have shown for for a few years now? Um, but we we don't really know because we've had such bad injuries and we, we are in, in the pandemic and there's no fans on the ground. So it'll be very, very difficult to put your finger on quite what the problem is. Players are entitled to feel sorry for themselves as well. They're human beings. Um, you see how fans react in the ground and we are in the ground and the team are going through a bit of a lull and everyone's humming and on and, you know, you can you can sense the, uh, the tension uh, players feel it, uh, but keep saying that they're only human beings. We won't really know. We won't really know until everything's back to kind of normal. Uh, but look, all's not lost. Maybe, maybe, maybe the, it is a case where we need someone to maybe go a little bit ahead and wake the players up. Um, I said it earlier on, going into a massive game like this against the Manx, who who are making serious ground, who haven't had the injuries we've had, and who are who are somehow or another they've just appeared on top of the lake. They can go top tomorrow, Wednesday, whatever it is, mm. uh, all by themselves. I mean, this is this this is the motivation we need now. This is the this is exact that's the team talk for Klopp straight away. Yeah. All right, lads, look, we've got three bad games. It's time now to click back into the mold where we feel like we're better than everyone else. We feel we can give more than everyone else. We feel like we can give more than we even believe ourselves. Um and look, well, we won't know. We won't know. But I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm the I'm the biggest fucking super fan there is, and I I am concerned. I will admit I am concerned. Phil, are you seeing cracks at the moment? I mean, I, I, like you know, it it it's. it's, it's I just I just I, look. I just think it's a pair, isn't it? A tough old slog at the moment for everyone. Right, like you got to remember, Klopp is an energy vampire, right? He feeds off energy, right? And with the lack of energy in the stadium, his powers are dwindling. And the whole team are energy vampires, and there's just no energy left. Like the, the fact that fans have gone out of the stadium again, you can see that it clearly affects them. Like they they feed off negative energy, off positive energy, but they feed off energy. And with these empty, dull, soulless, lifeless stadiums, there isn't that buzz. There isn't that. That to get them up and going. Like if you think of that Southampton game, that's the equivalent to when we played Villa last year away from home and we were one 0 down with five minutes to go and we come back and win two one. Mm. You know, there's 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 the, you cannot cannot underestimate a team that's built and designed from the very start to arouse the passion of its own fans and to piss off the other fans. The first thing that Klopp did well, after a fucking nil-nil draw, whatever it was, against West Brom. He, made, from, yeah. he went down and reconnected that team with the fans. And mm. from then on, the whole thing has been driven along hand-in-hand. Hand. When the team's energies were low, it fed off the fans. When the fans' energy was low, it fed off the team. And we went hand-in-hand. Hand. The team is missing half its batteries. It's like literally, it's it, what, what it is now is the team is, at this moment of time, it's a team that's running on, you know the Kodak batteries you get in deals? 
I've never used so many batteries in my life as I have over the last few weeks with those Kodak Neo batteries. Look, they're not, see, right, they're, they're these ones, right? The, oh, these ones here, right? The, yeah. Those ones there. That's what Look, the team is running on at the moment, Kodak batteries, right? But in reality, they need to get something quality like these Daewoo superstars, right? That's what the, 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 the fans bring Daewoo superstars back in and say it is. Kodak, like there's 400 batteries in this packet, and they only last the same length of time as two normal Duracell ones. So this team is is lacking the Duracell energy to keep itself going at the moment. We need to get that bunny back. We need Mighty Red back in the stand. I'm wondering, right? Could they get one of the get Kater because he's fucking useless. You may as well just dress him up in the Mighty Red suit, right, and get him to get his crutches out and just hobble up and down the pitch just to give the team a sense that there's that there's there's fans there or something there for them to feed off of. Like the one bone. So I was thinking about going into this game was at least we had 2,000 fans in the stadium um, for this United game and now we have none right and that benefits United United are negative energy vampires they feed off no energy they're basically just bizarre weirdos who have done well because the fans have been taken out of the, out of the stadiums and that's where they they work and, and they they, they realise but for us all we need to do is get the lads back in Get something back in. I don't know. Just do even do like what Nick Nick were doing last night in the American football. Have like slime zones and stuff. Just do something different to get an energy buzz into that stadium and keep it going like it was when we had them there. So, I, I for me, it's all about trying to figure out a way to just get through on the deals batteries. And once we do, once we get once one of the supermarkets is open, we can go and get a go get proper Duracell batteries and get this team going again because. It really is for me. That's that's where the motivation comes, and I, I think you can even see it in Klopp. Is is he looks? He, he, his animation is just not there because there's nothing to feed him. There's nothing to buzz him at the moment. Winning is a buzz and all that type of stuff. But everything at the moment, it just seems to me around them, and it's it's not their fault. But everything at the moment is just it's missing that connection that piece of the jigsaw that they have been that this team has been built around this team has been built around Anfield the fans and having that connection which we haven't had for 20 odd years and and that's what's really 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 made Klopp the difference for the for Liverpool Football Club and its fans that's been the difference nobody else has done it right Mm. Uh, so um, we had a comment there that Thiago is going to be our Duracell bunny Um, hopefully yeah. Um, Chris, he's probably the one player who um, you would say, look, he, he hasn't been with us. He hasn't gone through those. Uh, I know he's won a Champions League of his own, but he, he's not part of this, being part of this squad. He's had a, he's had a really bad uh, run of, of his star at Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not an endorsement on batteries or anything that batteries may be inserted into. She's not using the Kodak ones. That's what we know for certain. <laughs> they, they wouldn't last five minutes. Um, I'd say she's a pluggy in. Um, Chris Thiago is he potentially the game changer that we need just when we're starting to maybe look a little bit kind of leggy and sorry for ourselves He's, is he the one who's going to make the difference in these upcoming few games he, he takes the reliance off the uh, the two fullbacks because he gives you something we've probably not had for a year or, a year or two now is a, a bit of a creative spark through the middle 
I mean, we've had crazy sparks in Cater and everything else, um, but um, they're not they're not there enough, often enough. Uh, so if we can keep him, if we can keep him fit, then hopefully he's the option. Um, Phil's put me off now. <laughs> I think the comments are enough to put people off. We've got comments like with sleeve. Um, <laughs> it's a leaf blower. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> now we can make a leap from batteries to you know. How how we how we went from talking about rampant rabbits and uh, pluggy in fucking vibrators to um the the idea of uh, fans fans voices being beamed <laughs> into all the stands. I don't. I mean, I don't know how that would work with the delay. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. <laughs> just uh, a lot of dildos in the stands or something. At Marine, I, that actually, I, initially I thought that was Klopp. I actually screamed. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, oh. me out big time. And the amount of the armor held and everything. Oh, like. no, <laughs> Brilliant! I can't, I can't believe what the cardboard cutout causes. It's hilarious. Yeah, I know. The the blue noses were going rashy. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Um, the young lad who scored for um, Tottenham when he came on as a sub, um, the sixteen-year-old lad. I think he's a bit him. I think him and his family are actually from Liverpool or around Liverpool. Why aren't they? Um, I think he got released by Liverpool. They were saying. Yeah, and um, I think um, I, I, I think I seen a comment on Twitter where his dad was was so he he got caught out by the Klopp cutout and 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 thought that uh, Klopp was there watching. <laughs> yeah, <it. laughs> yes, uh, there was a lot of retweets and favourites were popping up my timeline from a sister. Um, oh, sister yeah. looks like uh, you know. Uh, uh, read a lot of uh, followers on there. Oh, yeah, there's a picture in a bio of being in Madrid and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's good. Maybe we can rub him back. I know, I know. Unfortunately, he's uh, he's uh, he's gone to the dark side. He's being managed by by Jose now. But um, look, we're laughing and joking. Um, we'll get on to Phil's topic now, and we'll talk about, I guess, football. Uh, and and as it got a limited uh, sort of shelf life, as far as the as far as the COVID situation is is concerned, we've seen today um, uh, in rugby uh, in rugby union, uh, obviously their equivalent of the the, the Champions League involves uh, French clubs and the French government have intervened and basically um, stopped their their clubs from participating, which grinds that kind of competition. Uh, to a halt, uh, certainly in the short term. Uh, Phil, um, you are, I guess, uh, raising a concern that champion and the, the all sport is stopped <laughs> for the next eight weeks because it's all pointless. Now, the, like, uh, for me, I can't see how the Champions League, the Europa League, um, and any more international football can take place with the current situation the way it is across Europe. 
right? I just I just can't say that's let, the let's not, forget the, let's not forget the uh, European Championships in fifty three countries. Uh, but th- this is it, right? Like th- I I can't see how this happens, and, and so I, I, there's there's about three prongs to this. They're starting to be concerned about the various different mutations that are taking place in the virus as it goes along, right? And this um, English version of the virus is seen to be the most contagious, right? That they've they, that that has come out at the moment. Um, the Danish are saying that it increases the reproductive rate by about 0.7 percent or something, which means that if you had it down to under just under one that normally your cases will produce from 1,000 to 500 across four or five days, right, in terms of your, your daily caseloads. <clears throat> but with this, because of the increased contagiousness of it, your your cases will actually increase from 1,000 to 3,000 and not go down, right? So the, the Danes are, are just saying, no, no English people, no English, no nothing into the country. So I don't know how, how do you, how do you basically get those teams from England that are in the Champions League and Europa League into these European trophies. That's one. Two, if you then take the international football and all the lads heading back off to across the world, South America has a new variant. Brazil and Japan have invented a new super variant, which seems to have different combinations of the South African and the English version. Um, then we have the South African version, which is which is different to the English version. Um, stop. Stop fucking traveling around. Like we gotta just say at some point, right? For the sake of everything here, there is lives at risk, and I can't. You cannot. You cannot get away from the fact that at some point a footballer is going to die, and then it will be like, oh my god, how did we not see this coming? It's coming at you. It's like the Trump thing in the Capitol. He was arranging a rally for people to storm the Senate, and all of a sudden we didn't see this happen. <laughs> this is it's, it's inevitable that this is going to happen, right? It's just inevitable that a footballer is going to have an undiagnosed underlying condition and he's going to end up in a serious, serious position, right? Um, and I just kind of, I, I think it's 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 almost like we are waiting for something to happen before it happens. It's it, And this has been the reaction of most European governments, that they're waiting for something to happen before they'll do something about it, right? And that is where you're wrong. You have to, if you want to win, you have to be proactive in terms of what goes on with the of, with the treatment and the way you carry out with this virus. And you, I'm looking at England. England is in such a bad position at the moment. I know we, we were talking about that Ireland have the most cases in Europe, but at the, if you look at our caseloads, that's going to drop radically over the next couple of days because the, the, the just the numbers of tests that are going on and the positivity levels that are coming out with the number of tests. But I, I come back to it and say, until we get, the countries get a handle on this, you can only keep to domestic football, right? You really can only keep football domestic. And then if, or else you have to change the way it's being carried out and you have to vaccinate all the football teams and fuck knows, can you imagine the uproar that's going to be in the press if suddenly they decide to go on a vaccination program to vaccinate all the European, all the teams that are in Europe to vaccinate all the players that are in there ahead of frontline staff, at-risk people, um, older people, and everyone that's waiting around for a vaccine so they can just go out and enjoy a football match with their mates and go to a football match or go to a pub or go to a restaurant or go up to Phoenix Park for a bit of dogging. Whatever they want to do, they just can't do any of that stuff anymore. All right? So, like, I just can't see how we can continue to play football in a worse position than we were 12 months ago. And this at this moment in time, Europe is in a worse position than it was 12 months ago. Andy, our medical ex, resident medical expert. <laughs> yeah, um, look, I would have, I would agree, would have agreed with Phil going back a few months. Um, I, I thought like the the notion of traveling 
uh, teams. It was just ridiculous that European football needed to be binned off, international football needed to be binned off. It was pointless. Just keep it in within the nation, um, and it was totally necessary. But look, we're at, we're we're hopefully hopefully at the final hurdle here. Um, vaccinations are uh, are there now, and they're they're happening. There's a lot of a uh, lot of contention and controversy over who's receiving vaccinations, who's getting them for us, where are they coming from. But look, in a couple of weeks' time, vaccines are going to be two a penny. You know, it's always this shit at the start. It's the exact same when tests were being rolled out. Um, they can test as many people as they want to, uh, and they'll be able to vaccinate as many people as they want to. It's just the forward planning wasn't really there. But look, let's face it. The vaccine kind of came out of nowhere coming up to Christmas. We none of us really expected that it was going to happen. And now it just needs to be rolled out. We're on the final hurdle. We don't need to put up, you know, with too much more of this shit. Um, I would have I wouldn't wouldn't have bothered with European football this season or any international football or the Euros next season. But look, in any of these things, there's always extra their stakeholders. They all want what they all want to uh, uh, they want and doesn't matter what anyone else wants and it's just been a game of cat and mouse and uh, compromising and sponsors trying to and uh, people have big contracts tied up already with lots of money all trying to get their own way we're nearly there next season we're going to be in the grounds again we're nearly there let's just get through the next bit and uh, I, I think we'll be enjoying football as as we were and gigs and everything else next season Um. Chris, um, we do seem to be, there does seem to be a commitment to get there by hook or by crook. Um, I mean, there has been in various sports. I mean, we've seen in America, you know, despite COVID being rampant there, they found a way to uh, pretty much almost get through the the, the season there uh, with a few cancellate, well, postponements, which which had to be rearranged. And we've seen that in the Premier League, that the game's, you know, which are having to be postponed, are manageable at the moment. Um, uh, do you think? Do you think we're going to manage to avoid any kind of tipping point, and we're going to navigate through this? And the same with the Champions League. Um, I think we'll just carry on regardless because there's too much money, and ultimately, that's all they care about. That's all that gets cared about is how much money's in the game and other sports, and. I don't hold Andy's optimism that, oh, by next season, we'll all be back on the grounds. Uh, the shit show we have running England at the moment, they don't even know if they've got enough vaccines yet to to sort people out. These vaccines are getting rolled out. They're already now saying they can't guarantee for rolls out for next week if they've got enough vaccines. Mm. You know, it's the same person, I'm trying to stay a bit polite, who for ages was saying, Christmas will be fine, five, five days Christmas, sound, sound. Couple of days before Christmas, oh shit! Yeah, it's one day because it, it might get a bit worse, and it's gone ten times worse. And we're now talking about although we're in a mini lockdown, um, probably by next week it'll be you're in, you're only going to be allowed to get out of your house once a week. So it's it, you know in England it's not going well at all, and it's a shit show. It's a pure <laughs> shit show. I was I was organising it, so I have absolutely no faith that they'll get a vaccine sorted. And we all know what will happen. I mean, Phil's talking about you know all the footballers getting it. That's the least of your problems. Um, trust me, every PM and all that will all, every celebrity will all have this vaccine before frontline workers. And uh, it's just the way it's going to go. I mean, the way it's, I mean, you think it's bad in men's football. I follow women's football. It's fucking horrendous. Every week we've had 
four cases, four games, or five games cancelled. They were talking about for the women's FA Cup, they'll draw lots to see who goes through. Could mm. you imagine doing that now in the men's league? Going, oh, don't worry, lads, we'll just uh, we'll draw lots. Um, you go through. You won't get away with it. And was all of it. And you know, to put the women into context, Liverpool have lost their captain for a year now because she helps run a care home, and she's put her career on hold to run mm. her care home in Nottingham. So. Um, Look after though to look after people. I just don't. I just at the moment, I'm very cynical with what's going on here, and I just don't see it getting organised. Me personally, what I would do, I think they need to make the Champions League and the Europa League a bit like it was last year, a tournament at the end of the season, and mm. actually where the where there would have been Champions League games, that's where you put the that's where you put the domestic games in. Get the season done by April. Yeah, completely agree. Can I just can I just comment on the shit show that that's been in the UK about their their poor leadership, their poor decision making when it's come to um, the COVID management? So it, it all fell at the wrong time because of Brexit, and I think there was a huge amount of covering up and denial that it was there. They 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 purposely didn't test close contacts and things like that just to just to keep the numbers down low. They took a really uh, huge risk, and it's it's uh, blown up in their faces. The whole thing was to was to protect the economy. But the only way to protect the British economy now is to buy loads and loads and loads of vaccines and get the whole fucking place vaccinated. And I think that's what they'll do. I think that when it comes to vaccines, they'll they'll get more than fucking anyone. You'd like to think so, but I look as you can tell, I'm no medical expert. But I th- there was plenty of talk in September. You, if you said to me, "We're going to keep Christmas open for five days," you'd have said in September. You're having a laugh, aren't you? Because everyone will take this, and it's going to spike more than it's spiking now. And you had medical experts saying this in September, and it took to a week before Christmas to go, oh, yeah, strong leadership is sometimes you have to give the shit news and you have to take it on the chin. Yeah. Uh, it's not, and it's too much the popularity contest or I've saved Christmas. Well, you haven't. You've just pissed everyone off now. Yeah. And the problem we've got now is, and you see it quite a lot in England, and more in England now, is people aren't following the rules because everyone's fucking sick of it. They're all sick of yeah. Rules change every three or four weeks. You know, if it was a bit more considered and a bit more, if anything, he should have gone, if we'd gone really strict really early and slowly released it, people would actually have just took it on the chin a little bit more and just gone, right, look, it is what it is. It's just the, you know, we're doing these number of lockdowns. Um, everyone in, Everyone's in tier three, everyone's in tier two. And within two days, the whole country's in tier four. You're like, what's, you know, in two days, you couldn't, you couldn't always, I know things develop quickly, but some of this yeah, was just, so I think I think you're just bringing it back to football. I think you, you, sometimes you sometimes you you know you've just made a really good suggestion there, Chris, around what the Champions League should look like, and we need to probably move away from the home and away legs, and we probably need to have uh, a little mini tournament there that we can that we can get through and wrap up pretty quickly, and and use those spare dates for contingency for the league. Really good idea, but sometimes, in, certainly in football circles, good ideas just don't seem to uh, just don't seem to uh, grow any legs. I mean, I, I couldn't get my head around this weekend why in the FA Cup third round um, that games that were drawn after ninety minutes necessitated putting the players through an extra thirty minutes of extra time. It just was an absolute brain dead situation. I mean, 
there was just nothing to be gained by it. There was no fans in the stadium. There was no, you know, there, there was no replays um, to give the to give the other side, you know, if it's an underdog side for a big, you know, none of the logic why you would have extra time was really there. Why those games weren't just going straight to penalties and you were getting the potential to pick up extra injuries, you know, at the start of January was just beyond me. It's all self interest. Ultimately, you know, whether we like it or not, football signed the deal with TV. So TV rules and TV have got football over a barrel now, which is, you know, we've got every, every club's got this rebate hanging over their heads now. And now we took fans back out of the stadium. So the product they're selling isn't as good. So now TV have got the rule of going, well, we're, we're calling the shots now. So we want to show everything at the times that suit us, that get us the most viewers. And we want to be able to show the extra half an hour and we want to show the, the penalties because as far as they're concerned, it's more eyes on it. And that's been the problem with the fixtures, with different competitions. It's who nobody, there's no compromise because everyone's got to sort, sort their own self interest out. And we saw that last year with the League Cup, why that was a disaster for Liverpool a little bit. And we're seeing it this year with the fixtures. You know, as soon as the Premier League's over, we've got loads of midweek Premier League games now as well. You know, rather than trying to condense it all into a, a Saturday, Sunday weekend, we've gotten spread from Friday to Monday. Mm. Um, Steve Nichol I've been loving Steve Nichol's comments by the way it was good to have like Steve Nichol or we haven't seen Arsene Wenger in for a while but Steve Nichol is shouting null and void um, it's been quite funny hasn't it Andy um, how the null and voiders were out in force when we were uh, running away with the league but we've we've seen very little of it in recent weeks even though we're in a much worse position now than we were back then mm. yeah that's it that's it <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be some fun if it is no longer to think of things. They'll keep getting worse and and uh, the Manx get a lead or, you know, whether it's City or the Red side um, and then the, the null and void fun starts again. Um, look, we'd be doing the same, I think, if it was us last season. <laughs> Do you think people feel, well, do you th- think- can, can, can I just say the difference here with this season is that last season when this started kicking off, we played almost seventy five percent of the league games at the point when 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 the virus really struck England in terms of what's there. Where mm-hmm. and there is a rule that if less than seventy five percent of the games are, are aren't played, sorry, if less than seventy five percent of the games are played, then the end of it is that it's just null and void. So that there is no, they, they can choose, they can then choose the champion based on points per game or points for whatever it is that they want to do it on. And that's the way it'll be decided. And if that is the case, like I think, I honestly think, right, I, I, you know, I hate the FA Cup and I hate the League Cup. Well, I don't hate the League Cup. I actually love the League Cup, which is bizarre, but I, I hate the FA Cup, right? I just think in this year of all years, with everything that's going on, there was no need to play. There was absolutely no need to have Premier League teams who are playing literally every three days in league matches to play it. There was none. There was a shortened preseason, the whole lot, and then you're throwing this cup competition in that nobody wants to play in. Like they're, they've had to rearrange Fulham and playing against Spores, I think it is, instead of Villa playing Spores or whoever it is that they're meant to rearrange it. It just doesn't make any sense. And the TV viewerships, the, I think the, the amount of money you get for the FA Cup, it's irrelevant for the league, Premier League clubs. It's completely irrelevant. It makes no difference to the bottom line, and it's not going to cover up any holes they get they get from not completing the Premier League season. Hmm. Like for me, for me, Chris, I I couldn't agree more with the idea that you basically park the Champions League and the Europa League now. You've been off the European Championships. Everyone hates international football. The only people who care about international football are 
Rochdale Athletic supporters so they can bring their Union Jacks and be part of something that's not Rochdale Athletic, right? The only people, nobody else cares about it. Like, even the Italian fans don't turn up to the semi-finals. The Spanish fans don't turn up unless it's in Spain. The French fans, the same. This is why they had this idea of playing them all over Europe, right? So, bin it and play the Champions League and the Europa League as, as tournaments that replace the, the, the Nations Cup in June. And you get this festival of football that those European Championships and those World Cup games used to bring. And you've just been off international football forever because there's just there's just no need for it. The only people the only people that benefit out of the out of these international tournaments at this stage are the lads who are sitting on those executive committees in UEFA and getting the bribes to get to pick out the, the places that they want to go and and host these things in. I just it's just sickening and it's gonna end up with you see these injuries that are going on, but it is going to end up with, with some f- footballers in hospital with this virus. And it's, 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 it's inevitable that that's going to happen. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Mm-hmm. We've seen, we just seem to have seen very little in terms of um, people sitting down, don't we, and thinking about different ideas, you know, t- to deal with the circumstances that we've got, different ideas. So, for example, you know, what why, what would have been so bad for the FA Cup, for example, to go ahead this season without Premier League teams? And for one season, we would have been able to see a lower league team. Okay, it might have been a championship team, but see a team name go on the cup we could have done something a little bit different and you know and it could have freed up obviously dates in the calendar for for premier league teams to not have such a congested uh fixture list it's probably because bt the bbc had said we want our money back because Mm. we we pay for the tv rights we pay to see the big teams play Mm. so you know Maybe, I mean, maybe it was more like you said, get rid of the, the, the get rid of the, th- the thirty minutes extra time, get rid of the replay. They have done. Uh, also, I mean, take it from a non Liverpool point of view, I understand the lower the lower league clubs. It's a big, it's a big burden for them. But I mean, this is the same league that as soon as Tottenham beat Ajax, they knew in the fifth round there was going to be a clash of one of the English teams will be in the World Club Championship, and they basically left it to it happened and went, oh, you deal with it. That's that's kind of how it is. We're never very proactive. It's very reactive. And then everyone acts shocked in the media going, why is this not thought of? I mean, the Fulham thing's ridiculous. So Fulham have planned all week now, a free week to play Chelsea. And mm-hmm. then on less than 48 hours notice, no lads, you're playing midweek against Tottenham and then you're playing Chelsea. So you plan for a free week to play Chelsea. Now you've got to plan for two games in less than a week against two very tough sides. And you've done no prep. Mm, yeah. yeah, ridiculous. I'm not sure how Scott Parker's feeling about that um, scenario. Couldn't have that. a connoisseur bloke, though. To be fair, Scott Parker prick. <laughs> I'm sure he, he probably put up too much resistance, did he? Uh, he's on the list. He's on my list of of you know just fellas that used to just prick, basically. Is it a big one? Yeah, it's it, it is. It's quite a long list. It's um, <laughs> it's like on those roads. It's those old fashioned computer printer rolls, you know, the ones that like are really wide and have the dots down the side and just keep feeding off. It's like the old video printer rolls. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's 
We've got a prediction here from Mohammed. He says, uh, in response to your concern, Phil, uh, around the footballer eventually dying of this disease, um, these tools who run the game will make everyone do a minute silence and just play the game again. Um, quite possible. Quite yeah. possible, given all the money that's involved. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, before we... Before we wrap up, then we're 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 an hour and twenty in. We're gonna. Um, <clears throat> I can't I can't resist because it is the United game coming up. So I'm gonna do a quick. Um, I'm just do a quick round robin of early predictions. I'm sure Gav will spend plenty t- plenty of time this week uh, previewing the game. But um, I'll come to super the super fan on the show, Andy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I expect. I only expect. I'm and I'm waiting for a flood of predictions to come in the chat now. So, I'm um, <clears throat> I'm only gonna come to you first. It was only gonna be you first, Andy. What's your prediction? Yeah, we're gonna win. Obviously, um, <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly think I've, I said it earlier. It's exactly what we needed. We need a big game. We need something to give the players a kick up the arse and. Um, get back to just get back to the way ways the hunger that we've seen, and uh, I'm so I'm so looking forward to seeing um, Thiago getting a run of games in the team. He's going to be such a difference. I just hope Matip is back. I, I want to see Henderson back in midfield. I want to see uh, I want to see when Alam in there. I want to see Henderson in there. I want to see uh, Thiago in there, and then get getting them um, getting Trent forward again, Robertson forward again. The front three click, and I think it's all going to happen this weekend. And uh, two, two nil or three nil to Liverpool. Not conceding this weekend, you know. No, no. Um, come to you, Phil. Uh, optimistic or pessimistic about this? We will you? I, I always should always ask you, will you be watching? That's the first question. <sighs> when is it on Sunday? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, what time? Yeah. Half hour. And the and the other reason that's on a half hour is because the there's no fans. Because otherwise, we would have had to have it on a half twelve for whatever police concerns. Um, yeah. So it's a strange one to have on a half hour of, of a Sunday afternoon. It's been late for a while now, Phil. I seem to remember it being a late game last season. Yeah, it was. It was. It was, it was actually felt like a night. It was it felt like a nighttime game last year. Didn't it, it was. It? A um, okay, so uh, Ray, I like we haven't lost a game at home in four years, and this is horrible. Like to me, this is like you know when you're waiting for the scene in a in a horror movie, and you just know you can hear the crescendo building all the time. The form is being rubbish. We can't score a goal. We're poxy, right? And like it's just that you can just like you know. It's, She's just getting into the shower. Just pull the curtain back, and all you're just waiting for the hand to come onto the curtain and the knife to start appearing. Like that's to me is where we are at the moment. I'm hope I'm wrong. We normally turn up on on on, on in the big games, which is my own hope. Um, if we have Shakiri in the team, um, if we have Thiago back, and if we have that in midfield where there's a bit of creativity and a spark then I hope that we have a, we have enough to, to, to get past them I think we're a better side I do think we're a better side but I think I, I go back to the disruption we've had to face in defence I don't think they, they could have gathered how much that was going to impact on the team itself 
The other, so the other, the other big problem is that we have to play against VAR and penalties, and United get four hundred penalties a week, right? So that's the biggest issue for me, and we get nothing on VAR because of Project Big Picture Restart or whatever the fuck it was called when we said that we we're going to bin off the Premier League and go off and start our own league on the moon or something like that. Do you remember that one right way back at the start of the season? So yeah. that's 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 been a pain in the hole. So there we go. There is an undercurrent of that. What was your prediction, Phil? I'm going with a one-all draw, right? I think we. I think they'll. They think that they probably think they've got this in the bag, and we'll get a scaldy in off your sack um, equaliser in the last minute by fucking I don't know Nat Phillips arse or something like that. So that's that's my prediction for the thing straight away. He'll be a legend. He'll be there at the club for ten years. Sorry, like guys. that, uh, like that, Ray. I was, I was getting worried that we'd know Manx in the room tonight. Uh, oh. They are, they are getting so confident that we're even appearing in their suggested videos on YouTube. That oh. says it all. That's your, uh, that's your online behavior, Claggy. You're on the Liverpool podcast. You're welcome every week. You won't be fucking here next Monday. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty years. Um, Chris, um, your predictions, yeah? Mm. If Matt's fit, I say 2 to Liverpool. If he's not fit, I'll go 2-1 Liverpool. We win either way. Who do you think he, what do you think he plumps for if, if, if Matt isn't available? What do you think he's, he's going to go with? Oh, God. We have, we obviously had the, 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 the Henderson, Impact of losing Henderson uh, in the midfield. Then we see, you know, Reese Williams with a um, with a with, with, with not a, it wasn't a great look for the goal. Uh, there was another comedy comedy moment that was replayed on Twitter um, as well in the game. So um, the knives are certainly poised for Reese Williams if he uh, if he were to make an error or two. Um, and personally, I think. Naf Phillips is 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 probably the word, the, the absolute last resort. It would be my would be my view against United. Um, who do you think he plumped for? I think he goes for Nat Phillips for his aerial presence. Really? Because mm. uh, they're both slow. Reese Williams and Phillips are slow, but Phillips at least gives you some sort of physical presence for set pieces, which United are good at. Um, I don't want to see Henderson at centre back. I just don't think it. I think it takes too much away from the field. I know he's not been in the best of form, but. I think that's what you saw in Southampton game uh, around Thiago. There's no legs around him. Uh, I do wonder if he might switch up the system a bit and maybe go from like 4-3-3-1 just so he could throw a Shakirian. Just mm-hmm. so he could have a front three and a Shakirian just for something a bit different. And Shakiri, when he's fit, I mean, he's a bit like Cater, when he's fit, the three games of the season he is, he's normally quite good against United he's, and he gives us that bit of a creative spark. So maybe do you try to like a Henderson and Thiago or Henderson and Wijnaldum too? Which then protects the uh, the weakness at centre back, and then have Shakira as a bit more of a, a bit of a rogue, and you know, let him pop up what he wants to. Do. He does make the front four a bit more fluid, and it does give us something a bit different, which we haven't had for a while. Yeah, of course, he he obviously got those goals against United uh, a couple of seasons back, so he has got some recent form there, um, and you know, his cameo uh, against uh, Aston Villa. <laughs> Has brought up of uh, brought up a lot of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, bless him at the moment. Divock, he is a he is a goal preventer. So you know, Mohammed is on fire there with that comment. He really is. Um, <laughs> he probably, 
that suggestion for me is probably uh, ahead of Nat Phillips in team selection. I just can't bear the thought of um, uh, Marcus Rashford or uh, Martial uh, running a pace. If you want to go something really radical, stick Alisson in at centre-back and put Kelleher in goal. Right, honestly... uh, Oh, another assist. I mean, now we see it. We see that we'll see a lot of the uh, replays of that second goal uh, throughout the week. It was already one circulating uh, this evening. Uh, we'll see plenty of that. My own personal uh, view: I think we'll win, uh, and I and I think this is the perfect game for us to really kind of bounce back. I think we'll. Uh, I think we'll win it comfortably. I think United will come with a, a misfounded confidence. Um, I think there's been signs of it in their last uh, couple of games that they are they're, they're just they're cruising for a, for for a, for a handy uh, defeat, and I think we'll be the ones who inflict it. I think it'll be it'll be a three-one win, but three-one will probably uh, look kind on United at the end of it. So I'm predicting a three-one win, and I think we'll also knock them out of the FA Cup as well by hook or by crook so um look we'll wrap it up um the uh has to say the uh the batteries have got the most comments uh all night who would have thought uh phil producing his kodak deals batteries would have been uh would have, would have prompted so much chat but um we will uh we'll come armed with our duracell batteries next week to dissect the united uh, league game we'll look forward well Phil won't look forward to any kind of FA Cup game but we'll try and uh, we'll try and pick out four uh, subjects next week four topics thanks to Chris for standing in for Pete this week good to chat with you Chris no worries mate thanks for having me yeah good stuff thanks super fan Andy expect to see you buoyant next Monday yeah definitely definitely and Phil uh, hopefully we'll roll tired Ray roll tired okay <laughs> Oh, yeah, of course. It's the college football playoff tonight. Completely forgot uh, for no. those who are interested in American football. Um, it's a Who's particular... playing on that? Uh, it's Alabama. It's Alabama against Ohio State. Ohio. So it's J- Justin Fields against the Alabama Tide. So. How does – how do they playing? Is it not colleges now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the college is called Ohio Alabama. State. Alabama. Ohio, Ohio, Ohio State, State University. Yeah, they're the universities. In okay, there. fair enough. So look, uh, look forward to that one. So we will speak to you um, next Monday um, with the next edition of the forum. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated, and right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.